Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode six hundred. Uh, no, what is it? I can't even remember. What does it? What does it say on the top? Uh, what was that? Uh, six hundred ninety-eight. That's it. <laughs> this is the Music Technology Podcast. We talk about all things to do with music production, music technology, all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, I just thought uh, I would um, try a new thing today. We've got Andy switching today, rather than me switching. Although I'm having some technical issues with logging into the chat. Those of you who perhaps are uh, watching on uh, uh, YouTube and Discord, we'll see that we've got other chats coming in. So we've got IRC, we've got the YouTube as well. Let me make sure I've actually... Yeah, that's all right. That's all... It should be... Are we live? It seems to be. Uh, anyway, whatever. But for some reason, my restream chat is not loading up. Anyway, we'll just have to leave that for now. Okay, um... I'm flummoxed. Right, we have got we've got guests this week. Obviously, those of you I uh, haven't seen you for a little while, uh, Yoad, Happy New Year! This is Yoad Nevo in his uh, happy studio. Happy New Year, Nevo Sound. How are you, Yoad? Yeah, good, good. Have had a good break, not very long, but um, I have a feeling that maybe I'm the only one who ever experienced the feeling that uh, I had maybe too much to eat. <laughs> over Christmas. I don't know if, every, if anyone has ever experienced that feeling before, but uh, it, it's I've, I uh, am familiar. I am familiar with that sensation, and I think I can probably match you there, perhaps with that feeling. But it was quite nice. We had a, it was okay in the end. We had a fairly reasonable Christmas. I guess we haven't seen you since then. It was it was a nice to have a break actually, and uh, and New Year was good, and uh, we didn't get sick, but everybody's falling around the wayside. You know, mm -hmm. that's just yeah. the way it is. But it's, it doesn't seem quite as. Uh, yeah, and I feel that uh, mixing actually um, is a good method of of, uh, of uh, burning calories. So I'm I'm sticking with that for the moment. Okay, that's an interesting that's an interesting theory. I suppose I mean, but also not not so crazy. Um, it, it's actually oh, I don't know what's going on. Everything's broken. Um, because when you when you're in the flow, I think your metabolic rate increases enough uh, enormously. I noticed that you know before I started the show here, uh, I felt it was a bit chilly, so I turned the heating up a bit. But now I'm actually kind of in on, as it were. I feel a bit warmer because my metabolism has raised up. So I think you could be onto something there. So uh, yeah, I guess it it also depends very much on the BPM of the track you're mixing, obviously. <laughs> How fast oh, you're tapping uh, your foot. <laughs> How fast you've got to move the faders, right? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, lovely to have you, Yoad. It's always a pleasure. And also we've got Mr. Gaz Williams, who's over there in Bristol. is looking very tropical today. Are you feeling summery? It looks like the sun is shining. Ah, yes. Well, I'm. It, it's all artificial trying to stimulate some creativity because, uh, actually, um, you may have wondered why I was really quiet then. I actually had the mic turned down and I was beavering away, switching out modules. I'm going to do a show tonight and uh, I'm trying to, I was just trying to kind of configure everything sort of surreptitiously. Um, Nick, I've made a discovery, a discovery that's worth spreading. Um, I have recently got the 505 mark two, yes, yes like yourself um made a little stream about it last week i'm gonna do another follow-up on tonight but look at this 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 bag from uh i think it's udg it's called the digi uh what's it called the digi max or so oh, i'll remember the title of it but i'm using the mark one here as a model but it takes it takes the the mark two and it puts it into like a little Oh. It's this is designed 
Did we ever tell you about, about that a lot of people on Sonic Talk are kind of luggage fetishists as well? <laughs> well, that's, well, now what, you know. that's why I've, I, I needed to share that, though, because the... Uh, the the 505 is an awkward it's an awkward shape for sort of schlepping about but yeah it is a really good thing to schlep about so that bag uh seems to be the ticket it, it really fits really nicely into there what's it, it called like... the ultimate digi backpack yeah yeah that's it yeah oh hold on i've got yeah. it here let me just uh bring that web page up mm. but it was like saying like you know the maximum depth was 42 millimeters and the the that I think that is the de- that is the sort of dimension of the five hundred five. But yes, I can report that it fits really nicely into it. Nice, better than the better than the Mark One. Strangely, the Mark One is a tiny, tiny bit longer. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've just pressed. I've just read. <laughs> One of the things that I'm having trouble is because my uh, muscle memory is to switch. So I'm trying to leave control, but it takes a little. It just takes a little bit of uh, flipping space because I, I, I can. I can. It can happen without me moving. Oh, okay, well, Gaz, how do, and how have you been getting on with the five hundred five? Because um, I know you. D- you were doing your stream last week after after this show. Uh, have you yeah. discovered anything specific that's really kind of made it uh, very? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. I think the bounce, you know, getting into bounce and how it just connects back to that, you know, that oh, the old days of bouncing tracks, and that is a kind of art, you know. You're making a little mix down, you know, to create that bounce down, and you typically don't do that in the, in a normal computer workflow. But it completely connects to when I first started recording on four tracks in the 1980s, making those creative bounce downs. I've been having a lot of fun with that. And I think it's it's such a super, you know, I mean, perhaps it should have been there from the start, of course. But, I mean, as a as a feature in the Mark II, that, that's brilliant. Because, you know, you can just keep on going. And every time you fill up a kind of your five tracks, you just go to the next memory and you can copy any el- of the elements across. Well, uh, the, oh. the other thing that you could do, of course, is uh, you could use that undo. So you could bounce to a track... To, and have a particular state and then unbounce so you could have something underneath it and then bounce on top to the track so you you end up with these kind of scenarios where yeah. you're you're using the new undo feature to do the uh, unbounce and the bounce and then then that gives you almost sections that you can play with and that starts to get a bit like Whoa, hold on. Yeah. wow what a great idea i haven't used that level that undo level thing yet so that is a great use of it yeah. Anyway, nifty. I've just realised, uh, rather embarrassingly, that I forgot to enable the the, the YouTube stream to go to the predefined uh, show. So, hopefully, you'll all find out where it is because I can't <laughs> I can't see it at the moment, um, and I've got no stats. So uh, there are people watching, but I think uh, it's not working. So I'm terribly sorry about that. Yeah, Loopy Pro is the other thing, as Mr. Grumpy says in the. Uh, Grun- I don't know how you pronounce that, Mr. Gruncy. Uh, um, you could use Loopy Pro, which, again, is something we spoke about a little bit. Anyway, um, let's get on to a bit of uh, topic topicality, shall we? Um, I'm going to go with uh, the Spitfire. Let me just get this lined up. So uh, we're on to Spitfire Frozen Strings, which is an interesting one. I'm just, I'll just do this just because it's simpler. So uh, here we go.
lovely. So yeah, this is the new Spitfire library uh, that is the uh, Spitfire Frozen Strings, uh, which is part of their, now if I get this right, it's the originals. And the thing that makes this kind of interesting is the fact that it's actually, uh, it's 29 quid. 2.8 gigs, wow. uh, NKS compatible. So, in, compared to what they're you what we what we're usually talking about in terms of uh, their, their their higher end libraries, this is a sort of slightly new track, and I think it works really well because it's it, it's such a low price point, but it's still got that kind of specific. This was eight string players recorded at Air. Uh, and doing lots of very quiet things, which must be a nightmare just in terms of, oh, no, a bus went past. Oh, no, there was a tube. Oh, no, somebody dropped their pencil, you know, because we're recording really tippy-toe stuff. It must be a nightmare. Interesting, though. Uh, Yoad, I don't know if you've got... Um, I know you're, you're a library consumer. We haven't got any of our library uh, our media composers here who would do the orchestral stuff. But I, I know most of us are kind of fans of what Spitfire does. It seems like quite an interesting tack, though, making this much more affordable bite size rather than having all of those articulations. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I have quite a few of, of uh, the Spitfire offerings and I love them. They're, they're so... It's creative, it's tasteful, it's always... You know, it always kind of blends in with the with this with what you, you you're working on for some reason, and uh, and this one seems uh, I didn't have a chance to buy it, but I'm definitely going to right after this, or maybe during even uh, the show. Um, it it seems like you know it just does the the what you want it to do uh, in terms of any any yeah. The, the, for some reason, they they manage to get the players to to vibe, even though you know I don't know. If they're not playing to anything. <laughs> exactly, I don't know if many people have actually recorded musicians for sample libraries, which which I have, and it's really hard because you sit in front of a piano or your instrument or guitars or whatever it is, not to mention strings, which is very very. It even adds another layer of difficulty because you have to to really control the not only the attack like a piano uh, or even a guitar and just hold it there, but you have to 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 stay with it, um, you know, throughout the whole duration of the note. And then, so to to manage to get a vibe into that is really. It's really difficult, and and they they know how to do it, and I really like them for that. And uh, although they're they're quite big, they're very sort of um, substantial, you know. Yeah, no, but as a brand, they they, they became oh, very very big, like a um, big player in in this market. They they still retain their kind of boutique vibe. And uh, you feel that you you get something unique, you know, when you when you buy this stuff. And I really like them. Yeah, excellent. I think the I, I think uh, as as Rocky pointed out in the chat room, uh, this is actually the originals have been going for over a year, so it's not a new thing. But they started off with their labs free stuff, which was kind of pretty cool, and then moving over to the uh, to the actual. Um, to, to the kind of slightly larger and more specialised things. I guess, I mean, you know, I, I know you're probably not a big user of uh, orchestral libraries, but it, these, it's really interesting. These sounds almost make you want to buy them, even though you might not know what you'd ever use them for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful demo of it as well. And it's really, you know, 
so tantalizing for the price. I mean, you know, the price, this 29 pounds, which I guess, what does that translate to in dollars? Is that like $35 or I'm not sure what, yeah, how much, much is, it? is it? No, but I mean, that price point seems when did we first encounter that? Maybe about four or five years ago and with waves sort of especially, I think. Um, but that price point seems to be, I mean, maybe it's just a sweet spot, you know, and I think it's uh, it's definitely affordable, isn't it? You know, it's not, it, it doesn't feel like a huge investment, but yet it also is a, you know, it's a sort, it, it definitely is a considered spend, uh, but I think it's a really interesting price point. Uh, I think it, I think they're probably going to get loads of people buying it who wouldn't ordinarily yeah. spend very much on software. And I think that's maybe the thing that's kind of interesting. You know, they've been brought in with labs and now, you know, you know. Well, yeah, um, exactly. if, if you get 10 times the sales of a $300 library uh, for 30 bucks, then... You know, I, although you've got no. the support and stuff, and the, and the other, uh, and I'm sure Yerad would know about the dynamics of that, but it's ultimately mm. more or less the same thing, right? Hmm. But I mean, you know, that just to echo what Yerad's saying, that the vibe and that that they managed to get that into into a lot of their things. I mean, the labs is a great example of that. Those are vibey. You just straight out the box, they give you a vibe and. Um, yeah, they they're fabulous at that. They really are, and um, brilliant. What amazing! What an amazing company. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, once great. again, they off they off they go uh, down that down that route. Okay, but yeah, interesting. Anyway, I just thought it was worth mentioning, even though, like I like I said, I, did, I I hadn't actually caught the original sort of concept before. Now I know what it is. It just seemed to be completely obvious because this is this is more of a strings and more of a uh, like recorded at air, whatever. It, 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 it feels like more value somehow because it's got a bit more provenance than, you know, I think they did felt piano and a couple of other things as well. But uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, I think what I'm going to do is just um, while we're, while, while we've got a break, I'm going to um, drop a little mention in from our friends over at Isotope. And of course, Prince Charles Alexander. Isotope Producers Club is a one of a kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And once again, we thank them for their uh, sponsorship of the show. And don't forget, if you head over to uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, a uh, special landing page, and use the code SONIC10. This is a slightly undocumented, but uh, worth worth having, I think. Uh, uh, then you'll save 10% on any software purchase apart from bundles. Anyway, we thank them for their continued uh, support of the show. And happy 2022 to all of you, them over there. Uh, right, okay, what's next? Let's uh, let's see what I'm going to put into the next. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, I was going to do this because we did predictions. We were doing this kind of like trends and predictions from last year. And I know Gaz uh, mentioned some stuff that uh, that because he was on last week's show. But yeah, Yo- Yoad didn't have the chance. Uh, and I just wondered, I mean, I realise, Yoad, this is, could be slightly uncomfortable because you're actually working on products. <laughs> but outside of the things that you're working on and you can't talk about, what do you think is going to be happening sort of technology-wise in the next year? Do you, would you see any kind of underlying trends that you could share with us? Uh, well, the you know, are we talking hardware or software? Because that's I suppose uh, either. I mean, well, I, I one of the things that I'm becoming more real is one of the things that's happened recently is uh, I've noticed like Harrison, for instance, have put have created a a virtual engine that's just just a mix engine just designed for running in the cloud. So they make consoles, but obviously people who are making lots of hardware are discovering that it's with component shortages, maybe software is the way to go. And I imagine the same is going for for, for uh, SandGrid and the, the, the Wave stuff, because that is essentially a server as well. I wonder if you're seeing similar trends in that from that point of view. Yeah, so I have to, to be a little bit careful about what what I you know what I yeah, can say I and what I can't say, but but as a trend uh, and as we see from from other companies, um, there's a lot of movement to the cloud. Um, eventually, we're going to see our laptops are going to be just um, you know just terminals uh, or our phones or whatever it is. Um, to processes that are taking place that will take place uh, in the cloud um and uh we, and this will basically in terms of of processing power it will give us a lot more capabilities uh for ai uh and for other kind of uh, very demanding um mm. processes uh, that uh, so you know to to run a bunch of plugins at the moment doesn't really make sense to to do it on the cloud. But as as plugins become more and more clever and uh, demand more and more CPU, and we're seeing some processes that um, that you know that you can run like one or two on your laptop before it it, it just stops. Uh, and the scalability uh, and the seamless scalability is something that that you can't beat because when you buy whatever M2, Max, whatever you're going to have, you get it and and you have to live with it for three or five or six or seven years. Uh, And with the cloud, it's it's scalable and it's scalable in real time and it's based on real-time demand, yeah. Um, so it it makes a lot of sense to and for 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 companies like 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 us like Waves, uh, it makes a lot of sense to, uh, and it gives us a lot of motivation and and it's something that we we always want to do. We always want to have more processing and more kind of uh, clever ideas and 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 methods of of processing the sound and anal- analyzing the sound and and um, manipulating the sound but we always have to take into consideration you know the the usability and how many plugins how many instances the user may want to will want to to use and this this opens this whole uh, thing uh the market will have to adjust because these things don't come for free so you have to pay for the bandwidth and you have to pay for the storage and you have to pay for the the, the memory even on the cloud so so there are a lot of things to to consider 
but I think that we will see in the next few years we will see we, we're starting to see the transition to the cloud and we will see more more of that I can't predict and I don't think that no one can uh, say uh, yeah. well in seven years it will all be on the cloud but we're definitely heading it's, there it's like it's almost like you know the trend with electric cars eventually it will all be electric cars but it's not yet. No one, it's no interesting. Exactly I suppose the thing when. is, you could you could imagine because, uh, well, like for instance, you know, we we could be running this in the cloud. I know I bang on about it, but the idea is, you know, I might need suddenly a really powerful computer to do, you know, maybe some waves plugins. But I don't want to buy it. I'll just rent some cloud time and and say, for instance, like you know, if we're we can run this whole shooting match, this show in a cloud, and it costs about two dollars an hour, which. It's quite, you know, plus bandwidth, which is negligible for, you know, it's not going to be more than a couple of gigs. It's yeah. only going to be a matter of cents. So, you know, once a week, we could scale this up and we could have this. And so let's say we needed a show with 20 people phoning in. We could do that because we just kind of go, okay, let's just fire up a couple of more of these and, and we'll use it while we need it. We don't need that in the office. This doesn't, we don't need that sort of capability here. Exactly. We just need to be at it. But the same thing could be happening with editing. So the same paradigm works. So, yeah, I, I, I could see that. And I think, I think the challenge is... Is, obviously is the latency and the real-time interactivity that's never really going to work for playing live into one of those plugins it's going to be a, a more of a kind of everything arriving at the same time paradigm so like the mix you're pressing play and you're monitoring and it all arrives at the same time but the processes are happening and that the latencies that we can get are pretty low i mean they don't have to be you know for, certainly for audio and if you've got a remote desktop it's not much is it yeah, yeah. The same at the same time, there is the reverse trend almost with with uh, with your phone, where a lot of processes are now done locally on your phone because the CPU on the phone is so powerful. So it it's a matter of deciding what is done where and basically utilizing the the best uh, kind of service and and uh, uh, and and processing abilities for you know yeah recording remotely and jamming remotely is always going to be an issue um uh, but i think that people are adjusting to that as well especially after you know the past uh, two years and what it, it it has done to to the whole industry um so yeah interesting times definitely yeah sorry you know guys what? yeah I, I tell you what this stuff would really excite me if you could do this. Imagine if you could do this. Take your DAW and just go snapshot that into the cloud, all the plugins, all the configurations, everything. All your, all your plugins, everything. Just snapshot into the cloud and then new computer, DAW, snapshot it back. Well, I, I w wouldn't. I mean, does it, I mean that sort of works with something like uh, Time Machine, does it not? Does or is the authorization different? I suppose it's. I suppose it depends on the authorization, but uh, I mean, it yeah. Should I mean, just everything. Sort of. I'm just you know, I'm just being like that sort of like um, lazy musician. You know, it's just right. like everything. It's just like, but there it is. You know, like because I'm a Cubase user, so I, my Cubase in the cloud or whatever is all my plugins, everything. So every time I install it, I just go, boop, I, you know because I log in as a me, you know, like we're seeing this in uh, other I see. So, applications so in fact, it, of it's the like cloud. A, it's like almost a self-contained application. That session becomes an application that has all the plugins it needs in it, doesn't need yeah. any other external. That's an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. You could log into any, any computer and get into your Cubase session. 
So basically, it already happens with your phone, because when you buy a new Samsung or a new Apple phone or a new iPhone, then your whole kind of thing is your in the cloud, back, and it yeah. just downloads it to, to, yeah. to, to a new... The thing is that our market is not big enough. There's not enough money to, to yeah. invest uh, with, with this infrastructure and all the security issues and, and things like that. So unfortunately, we're going to have to still spend long nights reinstalling <laughs> stuff and sample libraries and uh, authorizations and, and things Shucks. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soon, one day. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that, that was a little bit of a sort of diversion. I mean, we do actually have uh, another topic which I was going to bring up, which is, uh, and this is, I, th I think this is always fun. So I'm just going to hit, uh, hit go on this. What is it about wind controllers that sort of make you laugh a little bit? It's fun, and I, I can't really explain it. It's a bit like a kitar, you know, it's slightly more absurd than a kitar, even though I would argue very very expressive and i know that uh will gregory and the mog ensemble use akai controllers and other controllers to control their analog sense and it's amazing the sound they get from this this is the roland aerophone a20 which is around about 800 bucks it's got 250 internal sounds uh bluetooth uh, midi and it's got the zen core engine uh sax compatible keely out so i guess that depends on whether you're familiar with that i mean this is just the performance i don't know who all the performers are but but it's very expressive it does there's something there's something a little bit about the um the star wars band isn't there about it? i don't know why and it's really unfair because people who play the saxophone aren't considered that way you know unless maybe they wear a trilby and have a pencil tie you know there are certain <laughs> stereotypes but this looks kind of interesting i don't know if you've ever uh, experienced this I don't, are either of you um wind players or have been wind players unfortunately not i mean i i envy i envy you know uh wind players uh because with with a guitar you once you you plucked or picked the string you can only bend bend the pitch and or or mute it whatever but it then it stops so you don't have control over the the sustain uh of the song of the of the sound you know uh, and if and with keyboards even with keyboards you have stuff like aftertouch i have i don't know if you can see here the continue the continue me oh, yeah i know you're a big fan of that which yeah. has that but but i'm not you know my 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 keyboard capabilities are far um inferior to to i'm i'm a guitarist so and i'm always looking for for a new controller something that but even with the best controller you 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 won't be able to that's why i got a fretless bass because on a fretless bass you kind of get a little bit more of that and and sometimes right. i played high like you know high notes and with some distortion and stuff and and you get a little bit of of that uh, uh you know expression or expressivity and uh and yeah with those wind instruments it seems like i always envied it since the the days of the akai the akai had a the iwi, controller yeah. like that ages yeah. ago but you have to know how to play a sax that's the that's your starting point and that's um 
that's really well, hard. Well, yeah, I, I agree. But I think, you know, in, in this sort of world where we're not always playing the most complex of uh, lines in, you could actually have a lot of expression applied to a single note. You get the note right and you can use that. And there, are, if you've got a sort of MIDI to CV that take controllers in, I know that, uh, the uh, like I say, the, the Will Gregory's uh, Moog Ensemble, they use uh, EWEs and uh, uh, different, they use different flavours of them. And they're, the stuff that they use is incredible. I mean, it's incredible. It makes them sound like real instruments. All right, Gaz, I mean, you you work with wind players and brass players. I mean, do any yeah. of those use this stuff or, or kind of got a hankling for it? Um, in my experience, the sort of people who are into those kind of things are typically wary of, you know, digital technology. So I think, the, 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 I think that market probably always has that as an obstacle, I think. Um, and especially with them looking kind of unusual i think people are self-conscious playing them um people who gravitate to the saxophone quite often are people who see that and make you know the it's it's how it looks and how it looks to play uh, i know that sounds a bit superficial but i know that it's true um and these things just look kind of a bit ungainly or toy-like uh however they are really deep expressive instruments and i really want one i really want one i did i i, I was it was remembering um i bought one of those casio digi horns Saxes. do you remember yeah, yeah. shaped <laughs> like a saxophone silver <laughs> silver one looks like something um, you get out of a christmas cracker didn't it, that's it. <laughs> yeah i just don't think it had the, the the necessary throughput for all my slobber i think it's probably <laughs> it's you know you were too <laughs> you were too too wet I think, you know, I think it probably had, you know, just this nice little tiny hole. But I reckon, you know, a lot of, a lot of gunk comes out of your mouth, doesn't it, when you're playing these things? It's sort of a, you know, I've, I've, I've sat near horn players a lot, you know, and been, you know, <laughs> uh, I've been oh, here we go. times. There we are. That's the digi, digi horn. That's it. Yeah, the Digihorn. That's the one. The that, I mean, one. what's yeah. bizarre, that only looks marginally less ridiculous than the 800 oh, quid. <laughs> yeah, but you see, and I think this is the this is this thing. Um, but, you know, imagine controlling some of those brilliant Spitfire libraries with, with one of those things. And, gee, you know, incredible. You know, the... the I, yeah, I yeah, still, I agree. I, I, I think after them. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it's an interesting area, and I, and I think I, I think maybe it's just our own prejudice that are causing us an issue. But this has got loads of onboard sounds. You can do it via Bluetooth MIDI. It's got a little speaker in it. So I guess, I mean, I guess playing a a, a brass or a wind instrument at full tilt can be a little bit, uh, you know, loud. I remember mm -hmm. uh, in the eighties, yeah. I knew people who played um, saxophones, and they used to practice in cupboards. So they would open the it's... door to a cupboard and play into it, so it would try not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. wouldn't bother the neighbours quite so much. Is it the same fingering as a saxophone? Is it the basic sax? You know, based on it off the or you know, like is it recorder fingering? I know oh, it, it's uh, sax key fingering is what it says. It's in sax the notes. key fingering, great. So, so you could, you know, you can you can transfer your chops across. Yeah, back, and I don't know, know how transferable it is. I suppose if you play anything that's valved or with, you know, that's got that kind of action, yeah. you probably can adapt relatively quickly because it's about the dexterity. And it's like muscle. Muscle memory, yeah, like yeah. scales and stuff, are you know there are there's a certain amount of that. Yeah. Um, mm, cool. 
Yeah, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. I mean, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Roland always get flack for their sort of digital accordions and whatnot. But, I mean, there's no reason, again, why this isn't really powerful. It's, I wonder that whether they, it needs to have all of that stuff. The other thing, it's got the Zencore engine, so you can actually drop your patches from your, you know, oh. you move your patches between your oh. guitar and your digital horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that's the one. I mean, that's the Zencore. Oh, that that makes me really want it. That that opens it up hugely, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose right. if you. I mean, it's only it's only monophonic though. I mean, interesting how you would get mm. an aerophone to play polyphonically. That would be quite a challenging. Uh, whether you could have a sustain oh, well, pedal, that would. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, or, or or like I've, there's a module I've got here now. This they call the Instro the Instro Harmonic, and that can take a single you know like a what control voltage, and then create chords out of it, and then you can mess with the, the kind of chords. So a similar approach would be would be cool, you know, where that single note is going into chords and then through a scalar. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning, throwing in there. Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, actually, maybe we'll just have... Oh, yeah. Did you see I did a patch flip for the Yuhi uh, Metaphorium, which is the Hive 2.1 stuff, and it just so happens uh, that was sponsored content, and just so happens we have <laughs> a message from them as well. Well worth checking out. This is Yuhi Metaphorium, a 220 plus strong sound bank for Hive 2.1 that has been custom crafted over a period of two years by Howard Scar, Victor Weimer, and also Urs Heckman himself. The bank was originally commissioned as a custom set for composer Johnny Kilmack with projects he had coming up, including a secret film. That film turned out to be The Matrix Resurrections. As Urs Heckman was one of the patch designers, features were added to Hive 2.1 to allow the creation of the new bag. Pretty cool. The sandbag is available via yuhi.com priced at 39 euros. Use the URL bit.ly slash talk meta. Yeah, worth checking out that video. Uh, I think we've got uh, an interview coming up with... I'm going to uh, interviewing the three sound designers, so uh, Howard Scar, Urs Hackman, and Victor Weimar. It'd be interesting yeah. to see. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to talk to them as, uh, as sound designers. I've got a load of questions lined up ready that uh, I'd be interested to, to know. Like For instance, one of them, I, I want to know how they whether they get as creatively inspired by their own patches, whether they've actually got any sort of bandwidth left to, to, to come up with music yeah. for those patches, you know, because they're right. making them themselves, you know. But uh, anyway, I've got a whole thing. That should be a couple, couple of weeks. Do you remember I did a, uh, I did a round table with patch designers at, um, at uh, Synth Reactor and I had, um, had a, fantastic, uh, a fantastic group of people. I had Rob Pappen. And I had um, Skippy, uh, John, from uh, Plugging Guru, yeah. Yeah. and um, Jackson from Modal, and who else is in my patch designs? Um, <laughs> who have I missed? Uh, but we did it. We did a. Uh, we did a. We did a round table where I asked the same question to the different patch designers. Uh, so, and that was fascinating. So, just that reminded me of that. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. I, I know it's going to be a challenge. We might do that in the cloud because uh, somebody's in 
some part of the world. Yeah, people are all over the place, so it'd be interesting. But uh, okay, uh, let's have a look at what else we have on the list. It's this time of year is often quite quiet, but uh, let's see. We've got something from. Let me just bring this up. Yeah, here we go. Uh, what was this? Number five. Let's just go. Bang. Very short. This. New AIX sound source coming 20th of January. Uh, new Casio. It looks like it's a new synth engine, which I think could be an exciting thing because, I mean, Casio have been quite dormant for a while, yet at the same time people are raving about the old CZs and the, the phase distortion and all this kind of synthesis, and it's been a little while since they've released new instruments. I mean, they did do the... Uh, oh, I can't remember what they... I reviewed a couple of them. They were sort of... A, on their way to being really, I mean, they're incredibly powerful, but a little complex to use. So this would be January the 20th. Uh, there was a vocoder in there. Um, uh, it sounded quite old school vocoder, but it's always nice to see a big name maybe coming back. I, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm hoping it's going to be, uh, what, what would you like it to be? How about that? Uh, <clears throat> another, like you said, another kind of synthesis um, method or an augmentation, augmentation or, uh, you know, uh, of an existing one like FM or Wavetable. Wavetable could be really nice. I suspect that the what you hear on this um, on this video, which sounds like a vocoder, could actually be a really uh, high resolution wavetable. Ah, um, okay. So that that could be just a speculation, uh, but that could be really interesting. Uh, I love Casio, and I used to use. Uh, I still have it. The F FZ. F the FZ10M, the sampler. I used to have it even before the archive, before the S1000, and it was great. And it had additive synthesis, and you can you could resynthesize stuff like kind of poor people's uh, sync clavier. And um, they were always very in innovative. And uh, yeah, it it should be interesting to. To, to wait and see. Um, well, they've got they've got a couple they of up they've got a couple of the Korg US team in there. Mike Martin and uh, Rich Formadoni uh, 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 are there, and I know they're big synthesis fans, and they're probably pushing that because Casio have also made some really cool. I mean, you know, probably not something that everybody here would be interested in, but some very affordable and lightweight and portable uh, pianos with, uh, we've got, uh, with uh, the, I, I had one here, it was the 88 key version. It had the same synth engine that the XP, XWP1, I think it was called. I can't remember yeah. the exact phrase, uh, number. I don't know. Have you got any Casio stuff apart from a VL tone? <laughs> um, go on, Casio. Well, I remember it was back in 2012 when Casio teased the new synth and we all got excited about it back then and that was for the xwp1 and was it the xwg1 as well wasn't yeah. it um which was you know always one of those slightly confusing things when you've got two almost the same products yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was quite complicated i mean, I, I think i did the p1 and it was very powerful right. but it was such mm -hmm. i think the problem was is they they followed their own sort of ui and uh, layout uh, format, which was just so unfamiliar to anything else. It was really difficult right. conceptually to get your head around. Even though it was very powerful, it was just very hard mm. to operate because it was so different to what, you know, 
other stuff. I think I think that's what we kind of want from Casio, though, is some sort of Japanese, you know, no, you know, special that that thing where I mean, I I, I was reflecting on how amazing uh, sort of the. Uh, in in the early eighties, sort of um, the allure Japan had and uh, the country, and um, I was th- listening to Yellow Magic Orchestra's nineteen seventy nine amazing album, um, and uh, and I think there's something about Casio being very evocative of that sort of retro futuristic um, kind of thing, and. I, um, I, for me, I would just hope that this new thing from Casio would be a completely incomprehensible Japanese extra, you know. Um, you want something completely unfamiliar and mind-blowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, just fair yeah. enough. <laughs> I don't see there's anything wrong with that. I suppose it's yeah. really interesting because as a reviewer, one sort of doesn't want to veer too far from the path of what is easily you can figure out you know if if you get something that's just so massively obscure and willfully obscure you know i get cross when you know when 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 i'm presented with something that's so hard to use and and i'm really it's it's weird because it's not i'm not a you i'm not i'm not a a, a, a typical user because i if i spent that money i might be more uh, um, open to learning something new but when you're kind of constantly so i suppose i need to think about it a little bit because it's philosophically i'm i'm probably i shouldn't complain about bad ui i don't know it's hard isn't it (laughs) because if it's bad i've also got to pass that on i don't know i don't wish i should do it's difficult it's tricky tricky one to fathom because i noticed that you you linked to, to that Tecmon uh, video about the Casio, sorry, the um, Sony cord machine, where it's, it looks like it's a boombox, but it's... Oh, yeah, uh, that was a... Uh, that's right, that was a story, te- wasn't te- it? Yeah, Tecmon uh, has done a video about, about it. And uh, and he asked the question about Sony. Sony have ever made synthesizers? And I thought, ooh, have Sony ever made a synthesizer? Because this chord machine is a sort of instrument from the early 80s. Um, I'm just trying to find it. I, oh, this thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a really peculiar thing. But, but I suppose that's what I, I would like to see from Casio is something that is Japanese and exotic and sort of uh, than something that's, you know, like a, a worse version. Too of, mass of market. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? We had that. Remember, we had that discussion about uh, how, how because uh, the Japanese culture has always been incredibly sort of aesthetically pleasing and very beautiful. Yet, when it comes to their industrial design, you could sort of substitute Scandinavian design and, and, and industrial <laughs> design for the sort of the the beautiful yeah. culture. You know, you, the Scandinavian yeah. stuff looks like what Japanese stuff you would imagine would be if you looked at all of the things that they made from the craftsmanship point of view, all the architecture, all the art and those things. It's it's a fascinating. Uh, we could probably go on for that for hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I think you could be right though, Yoad, about it being a, a wave table thing. Uh, I actually, I, there are speculations going on on, on online. I can't really comment because they got me to sign an NDA because I was supposed to be finding out about this earlier and I haven't heard anything else. But if there's anything that comes up, I can't really comment on it, which is why I don't normally sign NDAs. But I'm going to be meeting with uh, Mike tomorrow where I'll have the full skinny uh but I don't suppose I'll be able to talk about it until the 20th, which is when it comes out. But if you, it's, it's always a bit of fun. They haven't gone too far on the teasers. 
Uh, okay, what else have we got? Um, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's slow. I have to say it's slow. Um, did you see the... Uh, this, this was something that, that DivKid posted before Christmas, which was the... Uh, uh, what was it, Vangelis' recent studio shot where there's a picture of Vangelis in his studio, but it's actually full of really modern equipment. So there's a Polybrute, there's a, uh, um, a Hydrosynth, there's a Moog uh, motherfoot, uh, not that, grandmother possibly, looks like there's an Argon 8, there's a whole load of modular stuff and he made he made a, a he made a, a modular grid, made a a, a breakout of it. So it's I think it's sort of quite interesting that in a way, you know, we always because we've been talking about Vangelis's kind of progression into this system where he had his his everything was very easy to use. It was all in the box and it was all done via MIDI controllers and it led to this rather generic kind of orchestral noodling, which is still great, but it's not like classic Vangelis. Um, and I just wondered whether anybody had any. Uh, uh, any any sense of uh, uh, anything to say? Because <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've said it all, I suppose. Really, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I I would well, like to say I know it's not going to be a very popular view, but I love um, the album John and Van, uh, John and Vangelis, uh, Friends oh. of Mr. Cairo. Oh, Such a good it. album. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and the sounds, the sounds, I mean, the songs are great. And uh, John, you know, uh, the vocals, obviously. But uh, but just to think about, you know, from a, from a, production, a production point of view, to, to achieve all that with, with uh, the gear he was using back then, all modular, I suppose, all monophonic, all, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable! Uh, such a great album. That was way before the the CS80 and and all that. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. But the, the, what it year doesn't was that? sound uh, like it's CS80. I think it was '78. But uh, ah, right, but okay. I, it doesn't sound like it. maybe you know maybe they just finished it because if it was released in '78, so they must have been working on it for a couple of years prior to that. Uh, but just the sounds of the of the pro the drum programming. I don't know what they've used. I'm sure that there are people out there who who know exactly what gear has been used and stuff. But was that state? Was that state of independence? Was that off that album? Yeah, that that, that the yeah the song uh, that song is from from that album. That sounded like Lynn yeah. to me. Something, but it, I guess it might have been a bit early for Lynn, wouldn't it? I, I think it's mm. no. There are there, there are no samples. On, on that, I, that that's oh, for sure. Gosh. It's all kind of white noise uh, shaping yes. and, and stuff like that. Oh, I'll have Amazing to go back album. and listen to it. I have to go back and listen to that. Interesting. <clears throat> okay. Um, um, yeah, sorry, Gaz, you wanted yeah, to jump in. Uh, just there's a few things of interest, really, in uh, in his modular rack, um, which is really interesting to see. Also, the fact that he's got those modern synths, to me, shows that he's kept a real... Um, kept you know very much into the synth uh, world. Um, you know, not not because I think that video that we saw of him uh, maybe about ten years ago working with those really strange preset devices. Yeah, his his custom controller. Yeah, incredible. Mm. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you're Vangelis, you're probably if anyone's yeah. going to get sent a load of free stuff. I'd imagine it's probably, <laughs> yeah. he might, I mean, it could be, but it could be that he's, he's seeking it out and finding it, or it could be that people are just constantly sending him stuff. But, but I noticed though, I noticed in his rack, he has got the DivKid 
uh, Ocht module in ah. Vangelis's rack. So, <laughs> so I reckon, I reckon Ben was probably really, really chuffed. Uh, incidentally, that module, it, I mean, sorry, I know I'm going down this modular path, but this module is really interesting. It's eight unsynced LFOs that start fast and get sort of progressively slower and you've just got a, a overall master control um, that affects like the the first output and then everything subsequently down of that uh, so really really cool so set it really slow really really slow and have just real slow lots and lots and lots of just drifting elements that was uh, that was uh, ben's design and it, it's a brilliant module so just plugging in that because i th- it's blown my it's blown my mind that has i've been mapping the uh, the overall speed of it to a mod wheel so you've got like eight modulations that your mod wheel is controlling simultaneously ah so much fun will it go into audio rates can you use them like almost like signs can they have harmonic uh relationships as well yeah i think the f- the fastest ones i think just about get into audio rate um, so not not but quite. really no i th- oh gosh yeah, it's more designed for the, I think, slower tempos. I think roughly in the middle, the top one is sort of like, that would be like like maximum vibrato that you'd have on a typical keyboard, so as a point of reference. And then you can go either side of that. Um, but yeah, uh, analog oscillators as well, So uh, the LFOs, so it's, uh, you know, it does kind of drift around a little bit, and I think that's the whole point of it. So, so I wonder yeah, if I, do you think do yeah. you think the re- because he's got all that modular stuff is why we haven't seen so much new material from him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I notice he's got a couple of four um, MS spherical wavetable navigators, which um, that's become my main number one module now. Um, but it's taken me a long time to. Uh, to learn how to use it so yeah i reckon i reckon <laughs> i think it, it that's my takeaway from the modular stuff is it takes enormous amounts of time to get into the modules they all like sophisticated instruments that take well and to hours figure out how, i figure out how they work how to make stuff with them because i mean you know it's it, mm. there are things that are made that people go look what i've made and you go yeah that's fantastic i can't think of any way yeah. i would use it it's all about figuring right. out how to how to utilize them creatively as well because i mean as we know it so a lot of this stuff is fantastic but you know it might not f- suit your particular creative workflow or whatever and then it's so in in, in many ways it's useless from that point of view so mm, yeah yeah that's half the no, battle I, mean, I would guess yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting to see that sort of you know actually those modules in Van Gelis's rack, are almost all modules from the last you know couple of years. You know, they're all it's it's very very modern. Um, so yeah, I think that's. I wonder if he. I wonder if he's got like a kind of uh, a, a, a post box that just gets emptied every kind of has to be emptied every <laughs> week because it's just full of people sending him stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, it do, uh, this does tie into the. I'm not. I, I wasn't going to do this one, but I think it might be moderately interesting. So this is about uh, the new Urcam. Uh, no, it's not. That's not. Oh, not that one. It's that one. Here we go. Let's do that. This is an interesting one. Uh, it's Urcam, uh, which is Pompidou Center, which, as we know, had a lot, a heck of a lot of influence in early musical DSP coding, sampling, a lot of early technology. 
And uh, they've just come up with this thing called Neurac. It's all a bit conceptual, but the idea is using a AI-based audio synth, which runs on this rather interesting uh, GPU-based uh, uh, core. Uh, I'm trying to call that. What's it called? I'm trying to find the actual. What is it? NVIDIA Jetson Nano. I don't know quite what it does. It seems like a load of PR, but it's an interesting one. But it does run on the NVIDIA Jetson Nano, which looks like a really interesting bot. 128-core GPU that you can use for sort of more small AI projects and neural networks, which I'm guessing is kind of what they're tapping into. But there's two things going on here. Ercam, I haven't heard them from, from them for a long time, and also the fact that just using GPUs to, to, to do this number crunching. I guess, Yoad, you probably know about this stuff. I mean... Does Ercam, are you familiar with the work of Ercam? I mean, they've been going a long time. Some of their stuff was just, you know, massively formative in, in early music technology. Because they, they, they start, did they not start the kind of concept of open sourcing? Uh, some of the early sampling and stuff? I so think they were involved with that, yeah. They were heavily, heavily involved with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I didn't really understand. No, uh, I didn't either. <laughs> what, what, it, what it does. So, um <laughs> I mean, whether it's a synthesis kind of method, uh, which then, what is it? Is it additive synthesis, wavetable, FM, you know, the, uh, is it sample-based? Uh, what, what it looked to me like it does is that it generates, uh, and that's why they chose to, to use it in a modular environment, that it generates uh, CV outputs and triggers in an interesting and creative way, yeah. uh, like self-generating and evolving and all those things. And, and that's why it would, naturally find its place in in a modular rack um that's what i could understand otherwise like even the sounds on these this um promo thing um are not very distinct so i'm not hearing any kind of new synthesis method um uh, and i think it's probably a sort of um you know, sophisticated CV generator or I, manipulator I think, or something I think you're like possibly that. right there. I mean, it did feel a little bit like marketing speak and with very little substance. But I, I suppose I was just sort of quite pleased to see Urcam kind of featuring, because yeah. I, I suppose to a degree, as everybody is, you know, as coding and this kind of access to this sort of DSP coding as becoming more democratised in the same way that music creation is, you know, these kind of centres of excellence that used to specialise in this are less relevant in terms of because there are other people that could be doing similar work elsewhere that are not kind of part of the umbrella organisation. So it must be quite hard to actually find projects to work on and to do this kind of work on. So I'm pleased, I, I should give them a name check. It's uh, Ninon Davies, uh, Philip Eastling and I'm just trying to find the uh, the name of the other chap and Martin uh, Martin Vell, I guess Martin Green. If he was, uh, uh, if we were to, uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's. I think we're going to see more of this stuff, and I I think this was really just sort of 
bringing on to this wider context of of what, as I said at the beginning of this sort of lockdown, is we're going to start seeing the fruits of all of these people having a little bit of downtime, creative people and coming up with these concepts and maybe having a little bit of time to pitch stuff. And, uh, has that happened in Waves, uh, Yoad, that people have just, because they have maybe had a bit of downtime. I mean, I know with a company like that, they were no, able to no work. Dime, no, no downtime whatsoever. We were so busy. We still are. And everyone is working like crazy. And we... And the fact that people are mostly working from home has just increased the capacity and the the yield and the motivation and everything. So it's been a crazy couple of of, of years, nearly. Yeah. Uh, and but ha- I mean, has it, have any new no kind of de- have any new, new new concepts and new kind of wacky ideas come out of that intense period? Um, specifics, yeah, obviously. next next month we we're gonna have some uh, quite a few releases um, of of plugins, but you know there are other concepts and other sort of ideas and methods that that are being developed, um, uh, which I can't really disclose, but uh, very interesting and um, ambitious. Uh, stuff yeah cool cool well that's good to know you heard it here folks in a non-specific way but i'm sure we'll we'll uh that will all be revealed very shortly i'm sure you haven't done uh, uh broken any ndas or any of that stuff um <laughs> well i think i think we're probably yeah. at a point that was one that oh, there was can one I, thing that yeah yeah oh, sure, I, sorry did you have something you want to mention Oh, well, it's just about that topic, really. Oh, sorry, um, did I not? Did I, I, I do apologise. <laughs> Over to you, guys. So I, you have the no, floor. No, it's cool. <laughs> um, well, I mean, probably like many people, I'd never heard of ERCAM until the GRM tools, because, uh, well, GRM tools came out, what, 20-odd oh, years 90, ago, was it, maybe? 98, I think. 98, oh, right. right. 99, so maybe. plugins... They were mind-blowing to me. That was my first real experience of kind of granular processing, I guess. Among, and But they were, they were so interesting, and they were right at the beginning of um, plugins as well. And they were mm-hmm. so so ahead, forward-looking. It's it's quite astonishing, really, how old they how old they are. But um, Urcam itself. Um, is uh, what well, is situated is next to the Pompidou Centre. Yeah, in, in well, the at, well it used to be in the basement. I went there as a kid, and I, uh, downstairs uh-huh. it was underneath, what or, or round the back or something. Um, right. FM uh, John Channing did a lot of work for Urcam uh, early FM. Mm. Uh, Miller Paquette uh, wrote Max at Urcam in the eighties. You know, there's there's some real, and uh, they did a load of really important work on real time FFT stuff, which enabled us uh-huh. to have a lot of. You know, it opened the door to a lot of. The, the the current right. technology, I think. Wow, amazing! Um, I know that Frank Zappa and the Pierre Boulet um, collaboration. I think was it Perfect Strangers that was it that was done at Urcam. Um, got loads of things, loads and loads of things. So yeah, just great to see them. Can you? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, I mean, it depends on which country you're from. Some countries may support this kind of thing, but certainly in the UK, the concept of, or, or in the US, the concept of having a public, government-funded institute for just sort of met, pissing about with uh, <laughs> concepts <laughs> to do with music and Amazing. science. 
I, I mean, yes, please. I mean, that's yield. Yes, imagine, please. imagine the art and the yeah. income that may have come out of all of this. You know, what a foresight. You know, what what a what a brilliant societal kind of investment. I would say. Can we have some more of this, hooray. please? <laughs> yes, hooray! Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, great point. Right, I suppose we're at the point where we would probably say goodbye. It feels like we got through the hour. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to all of our uh, YouTubers and your IRCers and the Discorders. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Also, thank you to uh, Wagyu for uh, making that possible so we can watch all the chat in, in, in come in one window. There's more stuff coming soon, hopefully. Um, and I think, yeah, thanks to our sponsors. Thank you to uh, Isotope and Yuhi. Uh, do check out their stuff. I'm just trying to think what else is coming up. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at the uh, the, the boutique JDO8. Uh, just started recording some Ooh. stuff with that. Surprisingly fun. You know, you look at it and you think, oh, that's ridiculous. That's just going to be totally useless. But actually, I was programming patches on it. Yes, the faders are short. It's a, not a bad sounding little synth, actually. And it's quite well, easy oh. to make sounds on. That thing about the if layers. If it sounds like... Sorry. Oh. No, after you, Yard. Go, Yard. No, I just wanted to say, if it sounds like the original, which there's no uh, no reason why it shouldn't, because it's all digital, and I have the original here, which is such a good synth, then that that is a really good little toy. Yeah, I, 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 I must admit, I was expecting to feel a little bit... Uh, like oh god, back to this. But actually, because uh, it it was the it was one of the, the the kind of like kickbacks. It was the one of the first kind of really parameter in knob encrusted synthesizers after mm -hmm. the D fifty and after the DX and after we had yeah. all this just kind of parameter access. This was a kind of like no, let's have a look at let let's let's do a proper control synthesizer. And admittedly, <laughs> this is sort of like a joke version of that a little bit. Yeah. But actually, it's surprisingly usable. Surprisingly usable. And a bit. Go guess, yeah. Sorry. I, well, you were saying surprisingly uh, usable. Yeah. Um, but I, the point I was just going to make, though, is that uh, although you've got the restricted uh, travel of the faders, um, you still have got that fast four-layer yeah. uh, editing That's paradigm. Neat. Where, That's neat. Isn't it neat? So you can, like, you can hold down, you can, like, edit all four layers simultaneously if they're lit or then you can like you know um go to layer two change the lfo on layer two independently of the other layers and uh, that's what i wanted to ask you about how, how are you finding that implementation well the only thing i would say is i uh, if i go to the shot of it uh, uh, of the actual unit it would be so much better if you actually had two sets of fours because then it would be so much quicker. You could switch layers on and off quickly and then edit layers quickly. The thing that I thought you were talking about is the palette knobs, the palette buttons, because they're longer. What's really cool about those is you touch any control on the surface and then those palettes control that parameter for each of the layers each of the layers and so whatever the last one you touched was that's what they control which is a bit of a genius kind of idea not one that i'd actually come across before mm. uh, sort of first uh, the first time i'd seen that so yeah it's a little if, if it had if it had yeah. four two sets of four uh, selection buttons it would be a lot more immediate i would say and the polyphony of that is huge isn't it 128 128 tone polyphony so if right. you're just using one tone 128 voices two tone 64 three blah 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 so you get 32 voice 64 voices out of it uh no hold on uh 32 voices out of it if you're using all four but then uh, you've got two layers mm -hmm. so you could have two 16 voice uh full 16 voice polyphony um 
you know, layers, which is, again, it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it, 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 mm. And it's got a, 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 an audio interface in it and a, a speaker. So it's got, that, it's got that kind of boutique utility. But as as a thing, because I remember I reviewed the, the Jupiter and I just thought this is ridiculous because the Jupiter, the largest of the Jupiter uh, compared to that, it just felt a mismatch. But this actually, because I've not experienced the JD800, I know it's a big thing, but it's still actually it's quite massive. usable. Massive. <laughs> Yeah. It's flipping massive. It's so it's deep and it it's wide and it's I'm just looking at it now. It's probably I don't know forty five centimeters deep or something. It's like yeah, foot and a half or something uh, deep. It's really it's really you know wide and big. Yeah, it's uh, the original was about three thousand bucks, two thousand eight hundred dollars. It cost to buy that, so it's an expense. It was an early expense. You know, how much is the boutique one? Four hundred pounds. pounds. Three, three, uh, three, eight something. I think. I and think is it? I think uh, is it just two layers, uh, multi timbral, or yeah. can you do more? <laughs> well, two. I've been finding I get the two layers, and then sometimes I go to another MIDI channel, and there's just this sort of errant sawtooth, and I don't know where that's coming from. So, I, as far as I know, it's just two layers. Uh, it's got two sequences. Uh, two, I think uh, is it an arpeggiator per layer? I can't remember. Excuse me. It's it's it seems like it's three fifty though, Nick. Aren't available to buy where everyone seems to have it. Three four nine. A bit cheaper, yeah. That seems yeah. That seems good, doesn't it? It actually does, and I never thought I'd. Find, hmm. When I got it, I was not expecting to find myself saying that, but actually, it's quite good fun to use. Anyway, um, I, I was wrapping up. <laughs> that suddenly went off. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Yoad, uh, for joining us for Nervous Sound. Are you uh, back on the mix uh, thing, or are you uh, waving? What's your next project? I'm, I'm, I've not stopped for, for too many days, even, uh, you know, uh, a few days over Christmas, but I'm, I was back into it even before the new year. And, uh, yeah, mixing a lot. Um Working on a very interesting uh, project, uh, prog rock band. Um, oh, yeah, mixing, having a lot of fun with that, and um, and other stuff, a lot of pop stuff as well. Waves, so many different things. Like I said, there's there, there's going to be a few releases very soon, so just final uh, stages of that, which is always hectic, and uh, working on a new library for nexus so yeah very nice. busy plenty of stuff yeah. to do and of course uh, gaz um, lovely to have you as well uh i think we're um yeah well i'm just trying to think that we we don't get to meet in person anymore I, I, you came and did a gig in uh, on new year's in bath but i didn't go out because I, I was uh, I, I was feeling the uh, uh feeling the risk factor I... but I'm conflicted at the moment, really conflicted. The um, I was on a tour at the end of last year with uh, Martin Carr, um, playing with the Charlatans around the UK. Great tour, except the sec the last third yeah, of you the tour. Sick, yeah. No, no, I was sick before the before, oh. so I missed the beginning, and then ah, I joined the middle, and then the e the end of the tour was um, postponed, and now it's been rescheduled for the weakest super booth. Ooh. I'm gutted. Well, yeah, but super, but yeah, well, we'll have to, I have to see what uh, maybe what yeah. happens with that. But um, 
Uh, have you got a show tonight? Are you, are you streaming tonight? You said you were setting up yeah. for that. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be following up on um, what I did last week with the 505. I've spent time with it now. When I went on the show last week, I literally, it was my first time with it. Um, and I've been exploring timing with, uh, and I've so in front of me, tonight this is what i'm going to have i've got the 505 and i've got a small selection of modules including the pamela's workout and some uh drum drum sounds and we're going to do some sort of uh, bounce down recording and also there is one thing that is really fun to do and i think that's what i'll probably start with is that you can record the drums um you can you can include the drums so in in um in a recording so you can yeah the drums you couldn't do that with the first one but you can also nice play them can... over midi and record them and you can play them over midi but if you record them and then apply effects and then bounce it down apply more effects and bounce it down apply more effects and bounce it down and so forth without using any external sounds you can get into some mad old places you know so that's quite fun nice okay well i look forward to uh to seeing the or hearing the results of that uh, madness but uh, that's it for this week once again thank you everybody for joining us i'll go to the four up so we can wave everybody off into the sunset that was it that was uh, sonic talk 698 sorry about the mess with the uh, the youtube re- youtube stream url but we'll be back uh, as ever um doing what we do see you next time take care bye bye now